Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled Forward. Faith Church. Happy New Year, everybody. So grateful to see you guys here today. I want to welcome all of our Faith Church family and all of our first-time guests. Glad you guys are here. I want to welcome those who are watching online. Man, what a great morning so far, wasn't it? I'm just saying Jesus would never let me sing like that because if I was on the worship team and could sing like that, when I was done, I would just drop the mic and walk off. Man, I'm telling you, wow, it's awesome. Well, hey, listen, real quick, um, I just want to take a minute. I know that we've already communicated it from the platform, but I want you to hear it from me as a lead pastor so you know it's not just a commercial or an announcement, but it's part of our vision. And that is every year we start the new year with a season of prayer and fasting. And the reason we do that is because we believe that as we live in this world and walk in this world, we tend sometimes to lose our focus and get distracted. And starting the new year with prayer and fasting is a great way to recalibrate your heart and your mind towards the things of God. And not just for us as individuals, but I believe that God has a great year for us as Faith Church in 2018. So we're coming together as a community. We're praying and we're fasting. We're opening up our hearts to God. We're setting a platform for the Holy Spirit to show up and change us and ultimately through us change this community. So I want to invite you to be a part of this uh, 21 days, today's 20 days. We are getting together on Saturdays, every Saturday during the month of January, and we're spending the first hour on Saturday from 9 to 10 in prayer. And we're also encouraging you to fast, which if you're new to that idea, basically means just deciding not to eat and rather taking that time, saying no to what your body wants and saying yes to what Jesus wants. It's taking time not to eat and rather spending that time just with extra prayer and some time with God. So I want to encourage you personally, please, Take time together. Let's pray for our leadership. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for us as individuals that God would speak to us and speak through us. And again, I believe we're going to have the greatest year in 2018. Does anybody believe that? Well, listen, we're starting a brand new series because it's a brand new year entitled Forward. Everybody shout that word, Forward. And uh, I just want to ask this question. How many of you here happen to have some kind of smartwatch? Like I have an Apple watch. How many people have an Apple watch? Yeah, you got to love the Apple. Woot, woot. Uh, but there's, you know, man, it became last year, it was the number one gift bought at Christmas. This year, it kind of reached up there as well. This idea of the smartwatch is kind of, you know, pretty cool. People like them. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a smartwatch is, it does more than just tell time. It's got some other cool features. You can hook up your texting. Uh, you can check weather, whatever you want to do. But a lot of people got into the smartwatch territory because of what it can do for you physically. Some of you guys know this, but um, a smartwatch, most of them have the ability to check your beats per minute, so you can kind of tr- check what's going on with your heart. Uh, a lot of them, my, uh, my sister-in-law bought one for my mom this year, one that checks her blood pressure, which is kind of a bad thing because if you check and your blood pressure's up, what happens? You get nervous and your blood pressure goes up even more, so not a good thing. But uh, one of the things I love about my Apple Watch, and for all you Apple Watch users, you know this, I love mine because every day it sets goals for me and then celebrates me when I reach my goals. 
Like one of the goals it sets for me every day is that I have to stand up 12 times. No, for real. And then when I've, st- when I've stood up 12 times, it celebrates my success. How low is the bar that is celebrates standing up 12 times? Like the 11th time, for real, it says this. It'll come, it'll, it'll like buzz, and I'll look at it, and it'll say just one more time. Like, and I'm sitting down, I'm like, oh, gosh, not one more time. Okay. And then when I stand up, it lights up and has a medal, like, you've done it. I'm like, yeah, achieve one more goal. I mean, you know, I mean, wow. But the most, uh, most people, the reason they got the smartwatch is because it has the ability to track steps. How many step trackers we got in the house? Anybody? So it's kind of a thing, people figuring out how many steps they take every day. Here's what I found out kind of interesting. If, um, if you take the average person, the average person um, takes about 7,500 steps per day. Now think about this. If you take 7,500 steps per day and you live to be 80 years old, you'll have taken almost 220 million steps. That equates to about 110,000 miles you have walked in your life. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Jesus, for the automobile. Let's give Jesus some praise for the car. But here's, what's, here's what I want to talk about today is it's not the literal steps that we take in our life that really matters. It's kind of the figurative steps. It's not the ones we measure by a tracker, but it's really the ones that really equate to who we are as a person. Think about your life and think about mine. Really, when we look at our lives, especially the individual areas in our lives, kind of we are where we are based on the figurative steps we've taken. For example, it's the time of the year that people are jumping on scales and setting New Year's resolutions and determining they're going to get more healthy because we don't like what that three-digit number screams at us. Here's the thing is, I can tell you where you are physically, like you don't even have to show me what's on the scale. I don't even have to get one of them pinchers and pinch your roll of fat. You got it. Come on. Like you don't even have to do that. Just tell me how many times you went to the refrigerator instead of you going to the gym. Woo! See, those steps will tell me about your life. Everybody in this room, anybody here, every family's got the little Debbie cupboard. You know where you hide the sweets? Oh, come on, the Star Crunch. Anybody down with the Star Crunch? Woo! Every day through seventh, uh, seventh and eighth grade, every day for lunch, I ate two, scar, two uh, Star Crunch, two bags of Doritos, and two things of chocolate milk and wonder why I was fat. What's wrong with me? Woo! But here's the thing is, again, you can look at figuratively how you've lived, choices you've made, and it's just you are where you are physically based on the steps you've taken. The same is true financially. I can tell you financially where you're at. You don't have to show me your bank statement. Tell me the steps you've taken. You know, we choose sometimes to live financially out of control. Um, we spend things. We buy things we don't have the money for. We buy more things. My wife, she loves some, her some shoes, right? You ask her how many shoes she has, you know what the answer is? Not enough. How many more pairs do you need? More. That's her answer. Like, we have a big walk-in closet. This is the truth. Like, her, her closet, like, just keeps absorbing mine. Like, now I have, like, I hang one shirt and one pair of shoes. That's all I got. Because, right, and some of you guys are this way. Again, financially, you, you didn't have a very good 2017 because you overspent. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You're not making many deposits. You're not saving much money. You're not setting much, much aside for retirement, but you're overspending, outspending. And again, those figurative steps determine where you are. But today, as I launch this new series, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the steps you're taking and where they're taking you. Because I believe this with all in my heart, that your best step is your next step. 
That if you'll determine today that you'll take some intentional steps, God will help you, God will give you grace, and God will give you power to put you in a better place in 2018 than you started in in 2017 because of intentional steps that you are taking. So let's talk about these steps for a few minutes. In fact, I would say it this way if you're taking notes. Your steps tell your story. Your steps tell your story. But here's the good news. If you don't like where you are relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, if you don't like where you are, this is really great news. If you, don't like where you're, if you don't like your story, then you can take some steps. Because the same way it took you steps to get here, you can begin to take new steps and put your life in a brand new position. You can position yourself in 2018 by taking some steps. Now, why we can talk about relationships, in fact, we do here at Faith Church. From time to time, we'll do a series on relationships and dating and marriage. That's not what this series is about. Sometimes we talk about money. That's not what this series is about. Through this series forward, I want to talk about our spiritual journey. I want to talk about our walk with God. And here's why. When you read, when you read Scripture and when you read people of the faith writing in the Bible, they define their, their faith. They define their walk with God. They define their relationship with God is not something that's stagnant, but something that's active. It's not something that's stopped. It's something continuing. In fact, did you know that the Apostle Paul, he describes his walk with God, he describes it as a race. In fact, the writer of Hebrews also describes it as a race and says it this way. Come on, y'all read this. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Which means this, and we all got to buy into this. Sometimes we tend to think of our faith or our walk with God as if, well, we did that. Like I go to church, like we check the box. Why I got saved, like we checked the box. And we tend to think of our faith as something we've done. And if it's true what they say that it's a race, that means it's not a destination, it's a journey. And if it's a journey, that means none of us have arrived. That means we're all still in the race. And if we're all still in the race, we should all still be taking steps to get where we're going. So I want to give you some intentional steps you can take through this series that will help you to continue to move forward. Now, I know what you're thinking because I sometimes sit where you are, even as a pastor. And it's true, sometimes preachers tend to present this idea of what a Christian is as so unachievable. Like we hear a person talk or we read in Scripture about Peter and Paul and Jesus, and we think we can never be that. And I want you to know, listen, if today you're thinking about maybe what you could be or what you should be, because some of you took steps in your spiritual journey in 2017, but they were backwards. Some of you didn't take any steps at all, and you're in the same place now as you were at the beginning of last year. But I want you to know this. As we talk about moving forward, I'm not talking about like the destination. I'm just talking about just look at just the next step, because everybody in this room can take one step. I want you to know, I believe in you that you can take one step. God believes in you that everyone in this room can take just one step. In fact, here's the question we're going to talk about throughout this series is this. What would Faith Church look like in 2019 if everyone took one step forward in their spiritual journey this year? Imagine what would happen. If every person that sits in these seats, all three services, we have literally thousands of people that are part of this church. If every person 
took just one step. I'm not talking about like you went out and changed the world. If we all just took just one step forward in our spiritual journey, imagine what God could do in your life. Imagine what God could do through a church that's willing to move forward. Imagine the possibilities if all of us in this room, including myself, including you, no matter where you are, where you've been, if we just all decided it's not about the destination, it's just the journey. I don't have to take all the steps, but just one step forward. Imagine what God could do if we all just moved one step in 2000. In 18. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about three steps everyone needs to take in 2018. Now, just so you know, next week I'll probably have two or three more and the week after that. This is just today. But I'm giving you lots of options. This is like a, you know, this is like a buffet. Giving you lots of options because I want everybody in this room to look at their life where you are, no matter how you got where you are, and determine I can take one step. Here's the three steps we're going to talk about today that everyone in this room, everyone watching online needs to take in 2018. We either need to be found, we need to be a finder, or we need to go public with being found. We need to be found, we need to be a finder, or we need to go public with being found. Let's talk about being found. When I talk about being found, I can use a lot of terms that some are theologically or biblically accurate, some are just cultural terms that we use. When I talk about being found, everyone in this room, you need to be found. I would say you need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. You need to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You need to be converted. You need to be redeemed. Like whatever you want to term it, whatever phrase you want to put on it, whatever idea you want to wrap it around, it all comes back to this idea of being found. Everybody shout, be found. Be found. We all need to be found. We all need to be found. When I talk about being found, we can only be found if first we're what? We're lost. Now, see, we don't like to admit that, but the truth is, and here's the picture that God paints for all of us to kind of take back and take in and wonder about, is the Bible makes it very clear that God is holy and God is perfect and we're not. And because all of us in this room, every single one of us, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short, we've all missed the mark, we're all not just mistakers, we're sinners, that that sin separates us from a God who created us, who loves us, who wants to be in a relationship with us. But because of our sin, it creates a gap. It creates a chasm. It creates something between us and God, and there's nothing we can do to fill the gap. None of us are good enough to reach God. Religion doesn't close the gap for us to reach God. Now, let me back up for a second because, again, when I say the word sin, I know it's this, there's this reaction like, well, I'm not a sinner. And we like to talk about how good we are. But let me just ask you a couple questions. First of all, the Bible tells us, gives us a couple definitions of what sin is. First of all, the Bible tells us that sin is knowing what the right thing is to do and not doing it. Now, let me just ask a question. How many of you in this room, there's been just one time in your life that you knew what the right thing was to do, but you chose not to do it? Wave at me. So we're all sinners. But let's just keep going. The Bible also gives a definition and tells us that sin is breaking or violating God's laws. Now, you don't have to be a church person. You don't even have to know anything about the Bible, but you know this is true. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of God's laws, and let's just take a survey. How many of you in this room have ever lied? How many people have ever stolen something? How many people have ever cheated on their wife? Oh, I almost got you. Oh, I, Jeremy, I almost got you. He did the wave. He's like, oh. <laughs> right? One of, one of the Ten Commandments is, is that we should not commit adultery, but Jesus steps up the game. Come on, all of us in this room, but especially men. Jesus said, if you've even looked at lust, 
at a woman and you've already committed adultery in your heart. Let me just ask the question and everybody be honest. If you've ever looked at another person with lust, raise your hand. Everybody. Everybody. So what I want you to know is, if we're all honest, we're all liars, we're all thieves, we're all blasphemers, we're all adulterers, we've all done things that we shouldn't do, we've all not done things we knew we should do, which means we're all sinners, and that sin is what separates us from a God who loves us. So even though there's nothing we can do to fix it, we can't be good enough, we can't be religious enough, thankfully I want you to know, you say, what's the answer? The answer is we can't reach God, but God reached us through his son Jesus. The answer is, what do we do? You get found. If you're lost, you get found. Now, here's the funny thing is, if you would ask me my story of my spiritual journey, I would tell you that I found Jesus, March 19, 1989. And while that seems true, in fact, maybe you've heard people say something like that, I found the Lord. You know that's not really true. You didn't find the Lord. The Bible says you weren't looking for him. I wasn't looking for him. I was looking for the next party, the next fight, the next girl. Some of you looking for the next business deal, the next promotion, the next raise, the next race, the next boat outing, the next deer, the next 10 point. Some of you are looking for the next grade. Some of us, we're all looking for other stuff, but let's be honest, none of us are looking for God. The Bible says like sheep, we all went astray, but thankfully there's a shepherd. And the Bible says he left the 99 and he came to find the one who went astray. Is anybody here thankful that he found you? God has been a finding God all the way from the beginning. When Adam and Eve first disobeyed God, the Bible says this, that the Lord God called to the man, hey, where are you? Like immediately God went in search mode. Like he didn't run from man. He didn't stiff arm man. He didn't put man out. Immediately after man separated himself from God, God went looking for man to find him. And we find that that's exactly what happens is that Jesus went to find people. In fact, his first followers, the first disciples, the first Christians, if you will. Here's what the Bible says happened. John records in 143. Everyone here read this with me. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Watch this. And he found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Notice Philip didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Philip. Philip wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for Philip. And so I just want to tell you, listen, some of you in this room and you've never been found. You might go to church. You might even drop some money in the plate every now and then. But the only thing that'll truly change you, the only thing that'll truly make you God's child is being found. See, again, every one of us in this room, we're all separated. We're all lost. And the only thing that can close the gap is by us being found. You say, well, how do I get found? Well, Philip was found. Here's how we get found. You have to surrender to the search. You have to surrender to the search to experience being found. For me, March 19, 1989, even though I was never looking for Jesus, in one moment, in one service, I realized he was looking for me. I realized I needed to be found, and I surrendered to the search. I said, here am I, God, find me. And in that moment, when you realize you need to be found, and you say yes to a God who's looking for you, in that moment, you are saved. You're forgiven. You become a child of God. You get born again. You get whatever you want to paint it. All of a sudden, we are found, and everybody needs to be found. Found. So, not only do we need to be found, if you're here in 2018, the very best thing you can do is to be found. It doesn't matter if your daddy's found, if you're not found. It doesn't matter that your granddaddy was a preacher or your 
Your, your favorite auntie was a Sunday school teacher. I heard someone say it this way one time. that uh, We've heard the phrase, a friend of a friend, that God doesn't have a friend of a friend. Either you know him personally or you don't know him at all. There's only a firsthand experience. And you can do that by being found, by saying yes to him looking for you. So one of the steps that all of us in this room can take in 2018 for us to move forward in our spiritual journey, in our race, is to be found. Not only be found, watch this, but to be a finder. Woo! My favorite thing about Faith Church is we're a finding church. We're a finding church. When I say be a finder, I mean tell all of you that have been found, be a finder. How many people here like to find things? We like to find things. Like we like to find good deals. We like to find things on sale. We like to find things. I'm naturally, I don't believe in, in luck, but as a kid, like I used to, I used to find green, uh, four-leaf clovers all the time. I used to, and I still today, I find money. Man, there's nothing like finding money. We got a saying in the north. I don't know if you all have it here in the south, but finders keepers. Oh, baby, losers weepers. You say, well, ain't you going to give it back? You should have took better care of it. That's what I'm saying. Someone came up to me at the end of first service. I was sharing that. And uh, this is a true story. Someone came up at the end of first service and handed me this money. They're like, Pastor. And they were laughing. They're like, you're not going to believe you. are talking about finding money. I was walking into church, and there was money blown across the parking lot. And I said, what do you want me to do with it? He said, well, I'll give it to you. So if you lost $3, you lost $3. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you can tell me the serial numbers, you can have them back. <laughs> so listen, here, here's the thing is, right? God wants all of us to be found. And God wants us to be finders. Let me ask you a question. How did you get where you are in your spiritual journey? If you're here and you've been found, you've been saved... How did you get there? See, you didn't get there. We don't, we don't live in a vacuum and apart from anybody. Like, you didn't just wake up one day and decide all on your own, hey, I need Jesus. Hey, I need to be saved. Hey, I'm going to go to church and just sit on your own and come to it all by yourself that Jesus is your Savior and you need to be saved. Now, it's true, God is the one who found you, but if we're honest and we all look back at our spiritual journey, God is the one who found us, but he found us by sending someone on his behalf in his name, to do the finding with him and for him. I have been found by God, but my, who is my girlfriend, who's today my wife, other people played a significant part. How many people in, you, in, in this room, you can name somebody right now who played a part in you getting found? Come on. So watch this. This is a great promise in God's word. Second Peter, this is what Peter says. Every voice here, read this. God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone. Everybody shout that word everyone to repent. Any person you can think of fits in this category. Any color, any sexual preference, any political affiliation, whether any religion, Muslim, Buddhist, Church of Christ, gay, straight, white, black, rich, poor, God wants every single one to be found. See, we do this thing. Once you get in church, we start, we start positioning ourselves against the world. It should never be. And this group can't make it in, and this group can't fit in, and God doesn't like this group. You know what? God, God didn't like you as an outsider. Listen, God is not a bigot except in one category, and that's the, he's a bigot of sin. And he dealt with sin on the cross of Calvary so everyone could be accepted. Everyone could be accepted. So we say it this way. So if the way you got found was someone played a key part into it, if God wants everyone to be saved, 
then the way that's going to happen is all of us who have been found have to be finders so everybody that God wants found can get found. We say it this way at Faith Church, that found people find people. If you have been found, God wants you to be a finder of people. Come on, church. So if that's true, then we should be able to see this in Scripture, right? It's exactly what we find. Remember I told you Philip, Jesus found Philip. Watch what happens immediately after Philip is found by Jesus. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. Found people, find people. And he told him, watch this. He says, he gets to Nathaniel and says, hey, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about, and his name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now he goes to him. Now here's this idea of us finding people, of us being a part of other people being found. What I mean, there's another word that's a dirty word in church. It's the word evangelism. People want to talk about sex and money. They just don't want to talk about tithing and evangelism. And it's because we have a, a, a very big misunderstanding of what evangelism is. See, it, so, it sounds nice when I say be a finder, doesn't it? Be, I can be a finder. Oh, I don't wanna, I'm not going to evangelize. It's the same thing. See, the problem is in our minds what we have made evangelism is and pro, what it's not and probably worse what we've experienced from other crazy Christians who've termed what they're doing as evangelism. I'll never forget several years ago I was walking in a Kansas City Jayhawks game yeah, I knew I'd get that response. I was walking in an Alabama game. Yeah. Here, see. <laughs> Y'all are bigots. <laughs> You're sports bigots. I was walking in the Kansas City Jayhawks game. I'm walking into this arena, hundreds of people storming in, and I can see this guy uh, up a lot of people. I can see he's facing the crowd, talking to him. I can't hear him. I can't really see what he's doing. As I make my way to him, I finally get within earshot. He looks right at me and tells me this, You're going to hell. And Jesus is the answer. I wanted to punch him in the throat in Jesus' name. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, you don't even know, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Who are you to tell me? Any? Listen, I, I'm on the fast train to heaven, baby. I'm on the Jesus, I'm on the J train, right? I'm going to heaven. You don't know me. Here's what I want you to know is sometimes we think of evangelism or finding people as standing on the street corner with bullhorns. That's not it at all. What I want you to know is this, is we reach best through relationship. We find best in the context of friendship. God didn't put you in the job you're in just for you to get a paycheck. He didn't put you in the subdivision you're in just so you have a house to live in. God didn't put you in the school you're in just for you to get a degree. God put you in that job. God put you in that subdivision. And God put you in that school so he would have a found person there to find other people. That's your number one mission in life is found people, find people. And so here's what I want you to know is notice Philip, he didn't go to random people on the corner. He didn't grab a sandwich board. The end is near. He went to somebody he knew because hard truths are communicated best through the context of relationship. Now, if somebody knew me before I got saved, they could have looked at me very easily and said, Steve, you're going to hell on a grease pole. And I could have said, you're right. You want a drink? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but because they knew me. There's people you know that you're in a relationship that you can have a conversation with. You can, when I say find people, I mean at least, at least broach the conversation. At least open up a conversation. If you can't even have a conversation, at least issue an invitation for them to come and be your guest. That's actually exactly what Philip did. Notice, Philip got found, 
and then found people find people. Philip went and he found Nathanael. And again, he invites him to come check out this guy from Nazareth. Now, anytime you have any kind of religious conversation with somebody, it's, it can get ugly. Now, let's just be honest. Because they might ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. Sometimes it can get sticky. Sometimes they'll shut you down. If they ask you a question you don't know the answer to, I find it's best just to make an answer up. Because if they ask the question, they don't know the answer either. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't do that usually. Anyways, just tell them you don't know. But notice, notice, and this is, y'all need to learn from this. If you're going to be a person in 2018 that makes and takes the intentional step forward to be a finder of people, then this is all you need to learn is he, he invites him or he tells him, he says, hey, Nathaniel, we found this guy from Nazareth. Notice what happens. He says this, Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? The Messiah's from Nazareth, that dirty little city on the other side of the track? People will ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. Hey, what about dinosaurs? Hey, what about the guy that got swallowed by a whale? Did that really happen? Adam and Eve, were they literal or figurative? Was that an apple, an orange, a banana, a pomegranate, a pineapple? What was that on the tree that they ate that made God so upset? Like, what was that? Gee, you know, and I'm telling you, they will ask you all kinds of questions you know the answer to. Here's all you have to say. All you got to do is say what he said. Watch this. He says, come and see. Hey, what about dinosaurs? I don't know anything about dinosaurs, but I just want you to come and see Jesus. I can tell you about Jesus. Jesus, I opened up my heart. He found me, and I've never been the same. I don't know about Adam and Eve, but here's what I do know about. I do know that Jesus forgives sin. I just want you to come and see. I don't know about abortions. I I don't know about smoking cigarettes. I don't know about drinking. I don't know about all those things. Here's what I know is I know I was lost, and Jesus found me. All you got to do is come and see. Just come and see. If you've not caught it, he doesn't even answer the question. He totally avoids it. He just bypasses like it wasn't even said. Hey, well, nothing good can come from Nazareth. He's like, hey, man, come and see. Here's your challenge is this. If you are found, be a finder. Get into a conversation where you can tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. If you are not comfortable broaching the conversation, then I challenge you. I double dog dare you to issue an invitation. Just get them. I don't know about you, but I think we got a pretty good church here. Come on, somebody. Invite them to come, just come and see. Hey, just come be my guest at Faith Church. I go every service, the 11 o'clock service. I would love for you to be my guest. Several times throughout the year, we give invitations. We did them for Christmas. We do them for Easter. We do them for special series. I can't encourage you enough. In 2018, be a finder. Go out and invite people. We will have in the next few weeks uh, generic general invitations that you can put out. But the goal is, if you are found, then be a finder. Go find people that need Jesus and invite them to come. Your job is not to change them. Your job is not to argue them into the kingdom. That's not your job. I know a lot of people that are pretty smart people, and they feel like it's their job to win the argument. You will talk to people that have questions. You'll talk to people that will raise fair objections. If you don't know, just say, I don't know, but man, come and, just come and check it out. If you do know, you can have an intelligent conversation. In fact, the Word tells us and challenges us to have an answer for our faith. But your job's not to win an argument. Your job's to win a person. If you make them look stupid and just shut them down and shut them up, you probably did not achieve anything but push them further away. All you have to do is say, hey, man, just come, just come and see. Just come check it out. If you'll do your part, I'm telling you, listen, if you'll do your part, God will do his part. If you do the inviting, Jesus will do the heart changing. Watch this. He issues the invitation. Watch what happens. As they approached, 
wait, what happened? Nathaniel's like, okay, I'll come and see. You'll be shocked who will be your guest if you'll issue an invitation. As they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus knew what was in his heart. Have you ever sat in church and wondered how I knew what was going on in your life? I don't know, but Jesus does. I've not been looking at your, your emails, listening to your voice, but Jesus knows where you are, what you're going through, things you've said, and things you're struggling with. And so he sees this guy's heart, knows exactly who Nathaniel is, and watch this. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Jesus is saying, I knew right where you were before I ever came into your presence because I knew where you were because I was looking for you and I sent Philip on my behalf because I found him. I sent him as a finder to find you. This last part, watch this. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. See, that encounter with Jesus is what changed his heart. Philip got him to church. Jesus changed his heart there. Be a bringer. Be a finder in 2018. I challenge every person in this room, refuse to sit in the seat alone in 2019. Decide right now, I'm going to be a finder, I'm going to be a bringer, and I'm going to make sure I don't sit in this seat alone another day, next week, next month, and next year. There's going to be people by me because I'm going to be like Philip. I've been found, so I'm going to be a finder because found people find people. Sometimes I need you to clap so I can breathe. (laughs) Help a brother out. The third thing. So everybody in this room, if you've never been found, you need to be found. For all of us in this room who I know are probably the majority who've been found, you need to be a finder. You need to go have connections, conversations, and invitations with people to invite them to come and see. And lastly, for just a few minutes, you need to go public with being found. Isn't it funny how, man, we love to shout our affiliations and our connections? And we do it a lot of times through bumper stickers, and we do it through vinyl on our back glass. That's the new thing. Like, we put our families up there. Like, you don't even have to see the people. You know how many kids they have, how many animals they have, right, by looking at the back. You can see the guy who's recently divorced because he scratched his wife off, and, like, you still see the outline. Have you seen those? I've seen those. Feel bad for them. There's political bumper stickers here at Faith Church. If you don't have one, you can get a free Faith Church decal to put on your back. I'll put it on your car for you. Um, But people who, you can find their computer affiliations. I'm an Apple guy. People put apples. People who are runners, they let you know they're a runner. 5K, 13.1, 26.2. I'm like, I'll run you over my car, 26.2. What's wrong with you? God never intended you to run that far. That's why he gave us cars. But here's what's funny is, notice how, man, we're going to put our political candidates and affiliations and what computer we like and where we run and what we do. We put all this stuff. And there's people, even though they'll shout to the world, their political computer and every other affiliation, they won't get on a platform in front of people and get baptized. If you have been found, your next step in your spiritual journey, because it's not a destination, it's a race, is for you to take the plunge for you to get water baptized. That's funny because people have all these excuses why they don't want to get water baptized. (laughs) This is true. I have people come up at the end of both services and give me new excuses I had not heard. What about this? And they're all excuses. Some people say, Pastor Steve, man, I would love to get baptized. And this is a question we get on a regular basis. I get on a regular basis. Let me answer it publicly so you all don't ask me personally. People will come and say, Pastor Steve, like, I'm not really comfortable in front of people, but I want to get baptized. 
can you baptize me like in a private where no one's around, just me and you? No. Do you know why? Because it's contrary to the very concept of baptism. Baptism is a way for you to go public that you've accepted Jesus. It's a way to tell everybody, I've been found. Listen, I have more to lose baptizing you than you have to lose getting baptized. Do you know how difficult my job is? Can I just tell you for a minute? There's people of all sizes and statures that get in there, and I look at them like, good Lord, this could go wrong. <laughs> people get in, they're like seven foot tall. I'm like, there's not enough room. I'm going to hit their head. Then they'll never come back to church. Big people get in. Don't get mad. I'm big too. I'm like, can I get them up if they go down? It's a nine-minute baptism. Someone call 911. Little kids get up there, want to get baptized. What do I do if the kids start screaming? Do I hold them under till he stops? What do I do? I've had people, it's funny because the natural to go backwards, you know when you start falling back, it's natural to like catch yourself. I've had people like you go to dunk them and they fight you. And then you got to fight them under, which makes them fight more. And you got to get them all the way under. I've had people go under and they don't get all the way wet. I've had one person like everything got wet except like this much of their face. So when they're getting up, I'm trying to splash them so we can finish the job. Everything's going to heaven but your nose. <laughs> it didn't, didn't make it. I know you have probably your own reason why you haven't. But your reason pales in comparison to the command of Christ to be baptized. If you have been found, go public with being found. See, Peter... He was exactly who Jesus called him to be. Peter got found. Come on, say it with me. Found people, find people. Jesus sent all his disciples on the mission, go find more people. Peter stood up after the time that Jesus died, was buried, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven. After all that happened, Peter had a little more boldness than some of us. He determined he was going to find some people. And he got up and preached to a whole group. 2,000 of them got saved, by the way, which just goes to show you how God will help you if you'll just venture out and broach a conversation and issue an invitation. But here's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said to them, come on, read this with me. Repent and let everyone of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Notice he says everyone. That means whatever your excuse is, this excludes your excuse. You're an everyone. If you've not yet been baptized, you need to take the plunge. We do it the first Wednesday of every month. If you ever been to our first Wednesday service, it's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, oftentimes, we'll see 20, 30, 40. We've seen several times over 50 people water baptized on the first Wednesday service. It's incredible for people to go public and say, man, I've been found. I've been found. I've been found. And if you have not yet gone public, one of the steps you need to take in 2018 is to go public, is to take the next step. See, it does two things. The Bible says in order to be saved, he says, repent and be baptized. There's two things you need to do. We would say it this way, what baptism is. Baptism is an outward profession of an inner connection because you've been reconnected with your creator. It's an outward way to tell people that. See, it says repent and be water baptized. Repenting is spiritual. Water baptism is physical. Repenting is an inward work. Baptism is an outward work. Because you are a dual nature person, because you are a body and a soul, because there is an outside and an inside, your whole person is involved in the salvation process. So repent. 
be found and then go public with being found. If you have not been baptized, I would encourage you to take the step. You can do two things today. You can go to our next steps area in the back of the church, in the back lobby. Someone there will help you sign up and give you any information on the next time we baptize. Or you can go to I Go to Faith backslash next steps and you can register there. But I challenge you, encourage you, double dog dare you. Go public with being found. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. I thank you. Because I believe, God, you have great things for every one of us in this room. You have great things for us as a church in 2018. But God, I believe you've called us to walk in it. And for a lot of us, Lord, we don't have to take a lot of steps, just one step. I pray, God, all of us in this room, God, right now would be moved and compelled and convicted to take one step. Some of us in this room, we need to, because we've been found, we need to be a finder. I pray, God, you'll inspire us and encourage us to go invite people, to reach people. God, I pray for the rest of us here that have been found and haven't yet gone public. Lord, I pray, God, that this year we're going to see a record number of baptisms, of people taking their faith public. But Lord, I pray for people in this room right here today who have not even yet been found, that, God, today they would start 2018, their very first Sunday in church, by being found. In a minute, I'm going to close this in a prayer. And if you say, Pastor Steve, I've never personally been found. I know other people that have been saved. I know other people who have accepted Jesus, but I've never done it for myself. The Bible says we are lost without Christ, but the Bible says he's the one who forgives us of our sin. He's the one who reconnects us with our creator. And all we have to do is to surrender to the search. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never surrendered to being found, you can take that step right now. As I close you and us together in prayer, if you want included in this prayer to be found, to be saved, to make Jesus your Savior, I want you to lift a hand real high all over this room. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today, I want to give my life to Christ. Today, I want to be found. Come on, all over this room. If you're not found, I want you to lift a hand real high so I can see it. Just leave it up. Lift it up real high and leave it up so I can see it. Come on. I'm going to give you one second. Just leave your hand up, please, one second. Come on, all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all the way, my right. Thank you, I've seen your hand, lady, go up. Thank you in the back, my right, your left, I see it. Thank you. The Bible says if we'll say it out of our mouth that we want to be found and we believe that Jesus is our finder, the Bible says we'll be saved. So I'm going to pray this. I want to invite every voice in this room. Come on, let's pray this. If you lifted a hand, come on, if you'll speak this, out of your heart to God. He'll meet you right where you are and you'll walk out of this place found. Say, Jesus, I believe I'm lost, but you want to find me. I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to make me, my, make me your child. Help me from this day forward to follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Can we give it up for about seven or eight people in this room?